Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of Jewel. Hi, Em. What a beautiful day for Chris Evans to be Sexiest Man Alive. I love when they get it right. But it's also such a good picture because I feel recently he's kind of been, I don't know, leaning maybe more into the pretty boy thing and losing touch with a little bit of his ruggedness. And I saw that photo. I was like, God damn. I was walking through the city and I saw him leaned up, like smoking a cigarette against a building. It would take me out. Oh my God, it would take me the fuck out. Although realistically, if you're going to see him anywhere on the East Coast, it's probably going to be Boston. Which for some reason also is hot. Like I've never had a thing for Bostonian men, but there's just something about it that feels like he's so connected with his hometown, you know? (laughs) I think it's the accent. I think it's Ben Affleck. Oh, and maybe you are connected to Bostonian men. I'm realizing now, because also if you look at my pattern in college... (laughs) <laughs> who else was from Boston <laughs> I'll tell you when you're older <laughs> <laughs> okay it's kind of a sharp turn but I just want to say this to get it out I would be lying to you guys if I said that this is going to be one of our most upbeat episodes because there's honestly just a lot of really sad things to talk about that all just so happened to be this week so I want to set that going in because if you listen to this for kind of a feel good, take your mind off of things, I want to tell you now that this is probably not the episode to do that. A lot of really kind of heavy topics this week. Yeah. I mean, in addition to the Selena Gomez doc, which we're of course going to get into, which just, it was a lot of really heavy material. We also this week lost both Takeoff and Aaron Carter. It's so sad. I mean, first of all, they were both so young. Takeoff was 28. Aaron Carter was 34. Not that it would have made it better regardless of their age, but I think it just additionally hurts. And for Takeoff, this was last Tuesday, November 1st. He was in Houston outside of a bowling alley with Quavo and a few other guys. They had just lost in a dice game. And there was a little bit of an argument that had started. You can hear Quavo kind of arguing verbally with these other guys. All of a sudden, someone opens fire, shoots 10 shots, and takeoff was shot dead outside of this bowling alley, which is just such a traumatic situation. And I think additionally on top of that, obviously he was one of the three members of Migos, him, Offset, and Quavo. And I think something to me that was the first thing I thought of when I heard this is that recently, you know, they really kind of had a falling out because takeoff and Offset are cousins and then Quavo is takeoff's uncle. And there was an issue that happened between the three of them where Takeoff and Quavo kind of separated from Offset and they started a new group called Unkin Few. So from what we knew, and we knew this way before anything happened on Tuesday, they were not really on speaking terms with Offset, which, like I said, this would be devastating regardless. But just to know that there was this kind of animosity and unfinished business going in, it's so heartbreaking for all of them. Oh my God, it's beyond upsetting. And also, you know, the understanding of Migos wasn't just a group. Like they weren't just a rap group. They grew up together. They were all raised together. They're all related. It's really, really such a heartbreaking situation. And also, I mean, based on the details that emerged, a, such an avoidable situation. Such an avoidable situation. I mean, there was no reason for it to get to this point. And to your point about them being more than just a rap group, they were all raised by Quavo's mom in Georgia. Like there are so many photos of them, which they've used in promoting their music of them as little kids, of them growing up. I mean, they had such a history together that I don't know, it it would have been painful and terrible regardless because I think they did have such an impact on culture. But specifically knowing the family ties, it just makes it a little bit more devastating. Yeah, absolutely. 
And then on Saturday, news broke that Aaron Carter had passed away at age 34, which before I give the circumstances, I just want to give a trigger warning for addiction and overdose. But basically what had happened was Friday morning around 2 a.m., police were called to do a welfare check at his house. At the time that we're recording this, we still don't know who that welfare check was called in by. And he had a housekeeper who lived with him. She opened the door. Police came in. Aaron heard what was going on and yelled at them to leave. So around 2 a.m. Friday was the last time that he was seen alive because then Saturday, that same housekeeper went into his bedroom, his bathroom to check on him and found that he was dead in the bathtub. And there's a 911 call from her around 11 a.m. Saturday where she is just hysterical. But I mean, I know we've you know seen him struggling for a while now, and especially he's been so open on social media that you got to... I would say get more of a firsthand look at his experience. And it's not like it was only happening behind closed doors, but it's just so heartbreaking. It is such a sad situation. And it's hard to see someone lose their battle in this way because it's something that you've seen him fight for many, many years. And at times you've seen him, you know, struggle and work to, you know, attempt to fight it. And at other times you've seen him kind of be in denial about it, but it all really unfolded as his whole life did in front of the public eye. I mean, of, of course, you know, the Aaron Carter that we grew up with was not the same Aaron Carter that we knew in our adult life, but you had this baseline understanding always of like, you're watching that same kid struggle. Yeah. I mean, if you grew up around the time that we grew up and Aaron Carter was the teenage heartthrob, I mean, I Want Candy was practically my anthem growing up. On some level, you always had that version of him or that vision of him in your mind. And I mean, going back to 2017, that's when he initially had appeared on The Doctors. That's when he was advised to enter rehab. He did. He went to a rehab center in Malibu. And then back in 2019, two years after that, he was on Marriage Bootcamp Family Edition with his mom. And, you know, they were open about all of the issues because it wasn't just the fact that obviously she struggled with addiction and he as a result of that struggled, not only in terms of just being the son in the role, but also I think from some of that learned behavior, but also there were a lot of relationship issues they had because of the financial situation that went on earlier on. You know, his money was not handled as responsibly by his parents as it should have been, which I think bred a lot of resentment. And, you know, later on in 2019, he was back on the doctors and he disclosed that he'd been diagnosed with both schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. And in the later years, there was just a lot of drug use that was happening. I mean, I, I vividly remember at a time when we were kind of reporting on this, he was constantly going on TikTok Live. I think in a lot of ways, that was what he used as a therapy. He would just kind of stream his days and you would see he would vehemently deny being high at all, but you could tell that he clearly, clearly was. And according to the report, there were a lot of cans of compressed air around the bathtub that he was found in. So it, it just goes to show you that this this was you know, happening up until the very end. Yeah. I mean, and going back to what you said about the money and the way his family handled it, it's, it's such, I think this is also why it's such an upsetting situation is because it's such a clear example of the negative type of child fame and, you know, almost being forced into it for the wrong reasons or, you know, being the cash cow of your family. And it's a really, really tough position to put a kid in. And I think that over the years, we've seen so many former child stars struggle with so many different things, um, you know, declining fame, you know, not being the kid that they once were, so many different things that go along with that, but also so many different family issues. Yeah, it has the potential to breed a lot of sadness if not handled really delicately. And the other thing I always think about, and I mentioned this because I want to talk about Hillary Duff for a second, is that I think there's a uniqueness about being a child star that you really cannot understand unless you are one, which is why you see so many teen child star relationships, aside from the fact that at the time, I think it makes good headlines and it's good fame and promotion for both of them and their individual projects. I also think there's probably something very bonding. And I remember when Hilary Duff and Aaron Carter were dating, it was around 2000, let's say between 2000 and 2003, because if you remember right after that, he started dating Lindsay Lohan and there was kind of that whole love triangle that was happening there. But he started dating Hillary on his 13th birthday. And so after the news of his passing had surfaced, she posted and said, for Aaron, I'm deeply sorry that life was so hard for you and that you had to struggle in front of the whole world. You had a charm that was absolutely effervescent. Boy, did my teenage self love you deeply. Sending love to your family at this time rests easy. 
I don't know. I know Hillary Duff is, of course, not the person most impacted in all of this. He has a family, he has a baby, but there was something about her post that just got me because I think what it highlighted for me was the innocence with which they grew up and how that was just kind of taken from him, you know? Yeah, of course. And I also think that Hillary Duff is a really stark comparison in terms of childhood fame as well, where she's kind of always the person that's held up as like, oh, look at this childhood star that never had anything happen. And it is true. She seemed to go on from childhood fame and transition in an incredibly impressive way and continue her career. But it doesn't get to be the case for everybody. And I think a lot of the reason that Hillary Duff was able to do that is because she had a really great support system behind her. And I think that when you see child stars who are able to do that, it's a really common link between the support system they have or don't have and what ends up happening to them later in life or as they grow in the industry. And I think that, you know, just like you said, there's two reasons that hit so hard. It's one, because that relationship was so innocent, like so deeply innocent. You had Hillary Duff and the kid that's saying, I want candy. Like you don't get more childhood than that. And then on the other hand, you have somebody who grew up in a kind of similar circumstance in a similar bubble and was able and fortunate enough to have their life go in a completely different direction. Yeah. And I just have to imagine that that's not lost on her, probably specifically at a time like this. You know, you're just confronted with the reality of a direction that your life could have gone in with in a lot of ways, similar circumstances. I mean, also Nick Carter is currently touring with the Backstreet Boys and they had a concert in London where they paid tribute to Aaron. They sang an acapella version of Breathe and they showed a slideshow of him. And you see in that video, Nick is really, really going through it. I mean, they publicly were not on good terms. They had a really rocky relationship as I think Aaron did with a lot of members of his family. But the bottom line is that no matter what, you're still family. That's still his baby brother. It's the same thing with Offset and Takeoff. Yeah, they may have been feuding. Things were not well, but at the end of the day, they're family. And it just hits you in a way that's kind of indescribable. And uh, I just, this was so sad. And our hearts are just with all of their families, all of their friends, anyone who knew them personally. And it's a, it's a loss for, for us as the, as the public as well. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. I want to talk about the Selena documentary, which for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's called Selena Gomez, My Mind and Me. And it was released November 2nd on Apple TV. 
it's about an hour and a half and I think really worth the watch, even if you're not a huge fan of hers, even if you're not typically interested in this, I would say it's a uniquely raw look at what's happening behind the scenes, specifically a look that is not at all sugarcoated. But I mean, you're seeing, you know, just the ins and outs of her mental health struggles, both because of her bipolar disorder diagnosis, and she kind of gets into that. But then also, after she was diagnosed with lupus, it really takes you through the psychological and the physical challenges that she faced after the kidney transplant. So the pain, the anxiety, the depression, and then on top of that, kind of just the way that fame makes all of it worse. You know, over the years, I think we've seen a lot of these celebrity documentaries come out. And typically, I think they all follow a very similar pattern. I will say with this one that I think it is one of the rawest, most intimate looks at a celebrity that we've gotten, because I think that while it touched on the struggles with fame and growing up in the spotlight and all the things that the documentaries that we are used to typically do, I think this delved into Selena's mental and physical health in a way that I don't know if we've ever seen a celebrity talk about before. And It was a lot of really heavy subject material and it was a very, very intimate look into her life. But I think for Selena, it's equally as important for us to understand her as it is for the public and everybody to have an awareness and a devotion to bettering mental health. And I think she did that by showing us her struggles. And I, it was really, I thought, incredibly well done because it was, like I said, as intimate as you're going to get. Yeah. And I'll also say that recently we've seen a lot of celebrities and a lot of public figures kind of take on the cause of destigmatizing mental illness and wanting to talk more openly about mental health, which is great and I'm a huge advocate for. But I think a lot of the times it's it's words and it's not necessarily action. And to me, this was the prime definition of putting your money where your mouth is. Like she has been an advocate for prioritizing mental health and she is going to show what could be considered, quote, the darkest parts of herself in an effort to do so. And to me, that is something that I will always commend. Yeah. And I think the documentary was very aptly named. I mean, she really takes you in deep. I think she starts the documentary off by saying, let me make you a promise. I'll only tell you my deepest, darkest secrets. And and she really did. And to your point, it wasn't just the way that she spoke about her mental health and what she allowed you to see and what she explained to you in the process of being hospitalized and the medication that she's on and what it does to her body and what it does to her mind. But she also is very, very proactive in terms of allowing other people to get those resources and making sure she's advocating for causes outside of herself. And you see her going to places like Kenya and bringing the awareness and the importance of, you know, mental health to places like that. And you're right, like she really puts her money where her mouth is. I thought we very clearly saw that on display throughout this entire documentary. And not just in terms of her mental health, I think just in terms of the way she lives her life. It was very clear to me when I was watching this that she really does deeply, deeply care. Right, which is why, just to switch gears for a second, if you didn't watch the documentary and you only heard about it through what was being covered, you were probably a little bit confused or or I should say definitely didn't get the full impact of what was being displayed. Because basically what happens is after the documentary comes out, this interview she did with Rolling Stone is released. The title is Selena Gomez Wasn't Sure She Was Ready to Tell the Story by Alex Morris. And in it, she's kind of talking about how it was hard to share these fears with people whose lives hadn't been derailed by fame. And so she said, quote, I never fit in with a cool group of girls that were celebrities. My only friend in the industry really is Taylor Swift. So I remember feeling like I didn't belong. I felt the presence of everyone around me living full lives. I had this position and I was really happy, but was I? Did these materialistic things make me happy? I just didn't like who I was because I didn't know who I was. And E! News made a post with that quote, the one that said, I never fit in with a cool group of girls that were celebrities. My only friend in the industry is Taylor Swift. And I remember feeling like I didn't belong. And one of her best friends, Francia Razia, who also gave her her kidney to be able to do the kidney transplant, commented, interesting. Basically saying, interesting that she would say Taylor is her only friend in the industry when I'm in the industry and I'm one of her close friends slash I quite literally saved her life. This took on a life of its own because someone on TikTok then kind of posted about this whole thing happening. Selena commented on that TikTok saying, sorry, I didn't mention every person I know. And from there, it just snowballs. I mean, we've seen that Francia has apparently unfollowed Selena. I don't know when that happened. 
Selena still follows her, at least the time that we're recording this, but she really was not mentioned in the documentary, which I think was surprising because they had been so close. I mean, she was the person who gave her a kidney. And I think my take on it is like, not to say this isn't clearly a very interesting story. Obviously they were very, very close at one point and it seems that there had been a falling out, but for this to take precedent over everything that was discussed in the documentary to me is a damn shame. Like to watch this whole thing and for then that one comment to be your takeaway to me is a really cheap shot and is honestly doing a, a huge disservice to what I think Selena's goal was in releasing this. Like I fully believe something went down with them. Absolutely. There is no way that everything is kosher and this is happening. There's a reason she probably wasn't mentioned. There's a reason that she comments that. There's a reason then Selena, who does not use social media, felt inclined to go comment about that. But like, we have no idea what went on. And for that to take precedent, I just think is so wrong. No, I mean, I agree with you. I Again, it should not be your takeaway from the documentary at all. However, I would be lying if I said I didn't understand the public fascination with it because I think that the role of kidney donor and kidney receiver in this makes it incredibly, incredibly unique. And, you know, this isn't exactly a situation where, you know, this happened and you never really heard from either of them about this process of the kidney donation. It's something that they had both spoken about. They had done a joint interview together. They had done interviews on their own and they've always really praised each other. Selena's always, you know, reiterated how thankful she is. She knows that this saved her life. She wouldn't be alive right now, maybe if it wasn't for her. And, you know, one of the stories that they say when Francia was, you know, saying that she would be her kidney donor was that Selena was crying and was so frustrated because she didn't want to ask that of anybody. When Francia asked what was going on, Selena explained to her that if she went on a wait list, it would be seven to 10 years before she got a kidney. And so there's always been this very public adoration of each other for what went on. And so to see this kind of switch gears and clearly something's up and clearly it isn't the same relationship that they had, I think was very, very confusing for people to see. Oh, it's confusing. And it's even more confusing given that we've seen kind of some of these sly comments on social media from both of them. Like on Francia's part to comment that on the E! News Instagram was very intentional. On Selena's part to comment, sorry, I didn't mention every person I know is also very intentional, clearly. And to me, that's the biggest proof that something is going on. I'm not saying that I'm not interested in it because of course I am. I mean, something had to happen for this relationship to kind of seemingly deteriorate in the way that it did. But like, I almost wish this was a separate conversation from the documentary. And unfortunately, it can't be because the quote that everyone is talking about happened in her Rolling Stone interview, which was done to promote the documentary. So I get the tie. It's just, I had seen some of the quote drama, I guess you could say, circulating before I watched the documentary. So I was expecting that there was going to be a lot of that. I was expecting maybe it to be a little bit salacious. And then I watched the documentary. I was like, holy shit this is really deep, you know? And and I, I just wish it could almost be two separate conversations because one feels like a fascination with celebrity friend drama. And then the other one feels like the most intimate look you could possibly get at someone's mind. Okay. So anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just... <laughs> gotten real close around here knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable, like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wear. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because you guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know. The straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. 
it's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims bras at skims.com now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Were you surprised when you watched? I guess it's I guess it's hard to say because you went into it with having seen the drama beforehand and then watched the documentary. I was going to ask, had you not seen any drama beforehand, had you not known something was up between the two of them, do you think that you would have been surprised to not hear Francia mentioned in the documentary in terms of the kidney transplant? Because I think when I watched, I was like, feels like a piece of the story is a little bit missing here. Oh, absolutely. Because like you said, it wasn't as if she had previously operated in anonymity. You knew very well exactly who gave Selena Gomez her kidney and they had done interviews. They had spoken about it publicly. So even if you didn't know Francia as an actress, which I think most people or a lot of people did, you knew her from this very intimate connection she had with Selena. So because her lupus and her diagnosis was so discussed in the documentary and she talked about the transplant, I think it did seem a little bit strange that there wasn't even a mention. I didn't expect it to be the focal point of the story, but you expected there to be a mention just because it would be seemingly natural. So yes, that was your first indicator that maybe something was going on, but I did not anticipate this kind of like social media back and forth because that's not the way Selena has handled things with her friends. Not to say she hasn't had issues publicly with other celebrities who we didn't know for being her friends. We just knew as being other people in the industry, but her whole thing has been keeping everything offline. So I don't know. It it took me a surprise, which the other thing that's a huge conversation from the documentary is that people feel, or I should say a lot of people feel that her friends featured maybe don't have her best interest at heart in the way that she feels they do. And then the other camp of people feel that, no, they're just committed to truth telling and, and don't sugarcoat things for her aren't as much yes men as a lot of other people in the industry have around them, which I think is kind of an interesting discussion because depending on what angle you look at it from, you could probably come to either of those conclusions. It was an interesting takeaway because I always find it fascinating when you're watching something like a documentary and the takeaway is something or part of the takeaway is something that the person creating the documentary probably didn't even think of. Like, I don't think Selena went into this and was like, you know, let me give them a glimpse of my friends and my team around me. I think it just was a natural thing that happened and we happened to pick up on that. My question for you is that I think what everyone is responding to in terms of her friends is mainly her one friend, Raquel, who is in this documentary throughout it. And there's one specific scene where Selena doesn't want to do something, doesn't want to do a birthday party because she knows she's going to be exhausted and she's spreading herself too thin. And she says, why you think I'm being ungrateful or complaining about my job? And Raquel is basically like, yeah, I do think that you are. And, and, It was a kind of unkind like response from Raquel, I think we felt. And a lot of people I saw on TikTok and Twitter talking about this one scene specifically. Besides this one scene, did you think that there were a lot of red flags about the people around her or specifically Raquel? Because to me, I don't know. I felt like it was this one scene in particular and maybe Raquel herself is a little rough around the edges, but I don't think that she was malicious towards Selena in the way that other people are kind of making it out to see him. There wasn't really anything else that I found to be malicious. I understand how that comment was received kind of poorly. I also think though, I'm trying to think how I want to phrase this. Like, okay, if you are in a relationship, if you're in a friendship, you have a responsibility, of course, to be there for each other's emotional needs. 
But I think that when you are a not famous person, friends with a very famous person, I mean, we're not talking B-list, C-list. We are talking one of the most A-list celebrities in the entire world. I think naturally, no matter how selfless or good of a person they are, a lot of the conversation is going to revolve around them. And a lot of the discussions is going to revolve around them because it's not that their life is more important or their needs are more important, but naturally they have more going on in their lives and their things are bigger scale. Their celebrations are bigger scale. A lot of the times their downfalls are bigger scale. And so it just becomes bigger and it becomes kind of all consuming. So I don't know if this was you know, just an example of her being very honest, which I think everyone that famous needs a friend very honest, or if maybe there was a slight hint of resentment or a slight hint of fatigue that she felt being the non-famous best friend of a very famous best friend where so much of the focus is on her. I also don't know what else was going on in Raquel's day leading up to that conversation. Like, I just think we've seen a lot. Of course, it was over the course of six years, but at the end of the day, this was roughly 90 minutes. And to villainize a person so deeply, I mean, this, this girl is taken it on social media for a three-minute conversation when we have no idea what's going on in the inner depths of her life. I just, I can't subscribe to that. I'm not saying the comment landed beautifully. It didn't. I get it. Like, I don't think people are crazy for feeling that way. But I think to, to take on this stance, I mean, that that there's just no way. <laughs> Nothing was deserving of that. Oh, absolutely. I also can't believe that it's getting the attention that it's getting. I mean, listen, here's the thing with the documentary is that Whenever an artist, somebody who's famous, puts something out like that, their goal is, of course, that the message of their documentary is going to get out. The fact of the matter is, is that while that will happen, the public is also always going to take the little minor things that they pick up on and really run with those things. They love a clickbait headline. They love to, you know, pick up on the things that they thought nobody else did and analyze them. And her friendship with Raquel was such a perfect example of that. What was really interesting to me is that going into the documentary, I was like, wow, I really hope for Selena's sake that if she talks about Justin, that that doesn't become the situation. I almost went into it wishing that it wasn't mentioned at all because I just know the way that, especially with their relationship, the public loves to run with that. And for her sake, it felt like it would have done such a disservice if that was anybody's takeaway. But what ended up happening is that she did mention Justin, not by name, but very brief things about her relationship and her heartbreak and that relationship ending. And it felt almost like that got the appropriate reaction, especially in comparison to the Raquel situation. Right, which raises, which I think is an interesting question of if there wasn't this hyper-focus on the Raquel situation, would the Justin clickbait headlines have been tenfold? Not to say they didn't exist already, but would people have really been dissecting her every single word in a way that that was having the main focus? I don't know. And you know, the other thing that I keep thinking about is when Haley did call her daddy, because it felt relatively random and because it so clearly was done with the intention of getting this narrative across of like, I don't want to have issues with the fans of my husband's ex. People really thought, okay, she's doing damage control here because Selena's documentary is coming out and it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough on Bieber. And as a result of that, it's going to be rough for Haley. And that was so not the case. Like, I'm almost more confused at the timing of Haley's Call Her Daddy interview now because I was like, one thing, it had nothing to do with Selena's documentary, or at least what actually ended up coming out. I agree. Both at the time and in retrospect, the timing of Haley doing this was confusing. I have to say, though, there was no part of me that ever thought it had anything to do with Selena's documentary because I never expected that Selena would give Justin that much airtime. I mean, listen, I think that had the Raquel stuff and maybe the stuff with Francia not come out, that maybe the Justin headlines would have been a little bit more. But the fact of the matter is, is that she gave us just enough to give us the insight into what she was feeling at that time, how the breakup affected both her mental health and her career but not so much that she was giving us anything that we didn't really know or anything that we as the public could run with. And so, no, I, I don't know if the reaction necessarily would have been different. What I think would have happened was, I don't think it would have been a result of anything that she said specifically being picked apart. I think that people had the Raquel stuff not come out, had the Francia stuff not come out. I think people would have revisited the Justin timeline a little bit more closely. And so maybe that's something that Haley was bracing herself for, just the general idea of as soon as Selena is talking about six years in the past, that Justin's name is automatically going to be brought up, whether it's discussed in the documentary or not. Yeah. I mean, I 
I just want to say this theory. I do not believe it in the slightest. I just want to say it and then say that I don't believe it. I've also seen, I'm sure you have as well, a lot of theories on Twitter of like, well, there had to have been a lot of the Justin stuff cut as a result of Haley doing Call Her Daddy. To me, like, I would say there's a 0% chance that that's the case, but I just want to acknowledge it because it's floating around there. It's really interesting because from where I sit, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe Selena's fans have a very different view of her and a view of the way that she approaches situations. But from where I sit, there's no part of me that thinks that Selena even remotely wants to go there. I mean, when you're watching this documentary and you're seeing the paparazzi just hounding her, what about Justin? How are you doing with your breakup? Justin's dating somebody new. How do you feel about that? Justin was seen with a new woman. Are you on and on and on and on? It's like, you watched her go through that and your heart literally broke for her because you cannot imagine how uh, goddamn frustrating and annoying and painful that must be. And I don't think there's any situation where Selena would have ever brought that on herself again, regardless of Haley's call her daddy interview or not. I do not believe for one second also that Haley said anything in her interview that would have caused Selena then to react in any sort of a way. I just think that leaving Justin out entirely and the breakup out entirely would have been inauthentic to the timeline. And so she had to give a glimpse of it. And I think that showing the way that she was hounded by paparazzi and the public was really important to understanding her mental health and the direct correlation between those events. But no, I don't think that she's trying to fixate and bring up old history and wish bad on Justin or you know, have him go through the trenches now that she's told her story. I don't think that's what it was about. Her story isn't about him. He's just a piece of her story. Exactly. And like you said, I mean, to completely not mention him at all would have been inauthentic. Obviously, that was a very pivotal time in her life. But Jesus, it's like the way I felt is that here is this woman quite literally bearing her mind and her soul, the good, the bad, and the ugly, all of it to us as the public and some people's commitment to just focusing on any issue that was even remotely salacious and not taking in the real message that was clearly intended is upsetting. I mean, those videos of her walking through the crowds, I know we've seen it before. I know we see it with the Kardashians. We see it with Bieber. We see it with a million other celebrities, but there was something about the way this was shown because you got to see those clips and then it was immediately juxtaposed with what happens when the cameras go down and she's alone in her innermost thoughts very, very hard to watch. Really shows you just how terrifying fame can be. Or I should say how much fame can amplify already existing issues one may have. It was hard for me to watch those scenes of her walking with the paparazzi. I had the exact same reaction that you did, especially because, listen, this is not the first time that we've heard about what Selena has struggled with. This isn't like some big revelation. This is taking us inside those moments that we were already kind of familiar with and just really giving us a deep dive into her innermost thoughts in those situations. But I think the thing that caught me off guard with the paparazzi, which is nothing new, we've seen it, like you said, done with almost every major celebrity, is that people were going after her and asking her these questions and harassing her and hounding her at a time where they knew exactly what was going on with her. Yeah, it wasn't as if she was suffering in silence. I mean, obviously, to an extent, we didn't know what was going on. But on a baseline, people knew the physical struggle she was dealing with. And as a result, the psychological side effects that can come from that. And oh, I don't know. It was hard to watch. I have a lot of respect for her. I don't have – I know some people have um, some more critical thoughts on all of it and maybe the way that she handled certain situations. Not to say that doesn't exist. She is obviously not perfect. I just feel – so recently after watching it, I mean, I literally watched this yesterday. I don't feel in a position to d- dive into that. Like I'm still processing how difficult I felt a lot of what she went through was. I know she has the means to handle it in a way that a lot of other people don't. And she has a plethora of resources. And of course, that's not lost on me. I, there's just something that I don't feel right about sitting here, like critiquing every aspect of her. I'm sure there that could happen. And maybe in a week's time, I'll, I'll feel I want to do that. But I'm still, I'm still wrapping my mind around a lot of what I saw. And in this moment, I have just a lot of respect for her for opening up in the way that she did. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. 
But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends. So I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to dot com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's dot com promo code CELEBS. When I saw those photos of Chloe and Laquan Smith at the CFDA Awards, I was like, that right there, that's the church I pray to. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are so right. Like, was this Chloe's best look ever? Like, maybe. And you want to know why else? I don't know how much of this exists. Like, I think objectively she looked fucking unbelievable. But also, having just come off of the last episode of Kardashians where we know what goes into her doing a red carpet, it's like, I additionally feel so much pride for her for being there. And she just appeared so confident, so sure of herself, so, I think, really proud of what she was wearing. And she just carried it so well. Oh, my God. Chloe, this... You did good, kid. You did good, kid. I wonder, because I think that at the time that Kardashians was filmed and what we were seeing, I think that we could tell something was maybe off with Chloe. I don't think that we thought it was to the extent as she describes on the show in terms of her willingness to leave the house and do these red carpet appearance. But I think we knew that it was something that was a little bit more rare for her. I think that we obviously knew what was going on with Tristan and everything else. And so we had those baseline assumptions. But I will say that it seems, I could be wrong, and we could see in the next season of Kardashians that I was totally off base. It seems as of recent, she has become much more comfortable with being out and doing these events and seems like she's happier and more excited to be at these things. Well, I also think there's something to be said for the correlation between Chloe's comfort level and then how many other siblings are in attendance. Meaning I think she likes when she's walking the carpet and she knows that Kim and Kylie and Kendall and Chris are all going to be around. You know, like it doesn't create that same feeling of isolation. Right. I think Chloe, honestly, out of all of them, probably maybe with the exception of Chris, but derives the most joy from doing things as a family. Like, I think if it's an event that's really cool, Kylie is equally as happy to be there alone if she if she's going to go to something as she is to be with the family. I think Kim, I think at a certain point for Kim, everything's got to just blend together. But I think that out of all of them, Chloe really finds that appreciation and comfort in doing it with everybody else. And I also think Chloe understands better than any of them, weirdly enough, like the iconicness of seeing them all together. Like, I think that's something that's still not lost on her because I think that's how she views Chris. And by extension, that's how she views the family unit as a whole. And so there's just something about watching her interact specifically with Kim on the carpet last night. And I don't know, I just could feel that she was excited to be there. 
Well, also, and we always say this with the exception of Chris, I think that Chloe is the one that is individually the proudest for each one of her siblings, specifically Kim. So when she's sitting in the audience and Kim is accepting an award on behalf of Skims, like to me, I think that for Chloe, it's worth it to be in the room to see Kim accept that honor. Like any of the anxiety that may come from the red carpet, it exists totally. But one, she wanted to be there. And second of all, I think it's worth it for her to be there to support Kim. As we know about Chloe, like that's where she thrives, you know, and not to say she doesn't do it for Kim's sake, but she also does it because it makes her feel good. And I think that with something like last night, where it was, you know, a more intimate event in comparison to some of the other ones, and Kim is specifically being recognized, I think she wants to be there for more reasons than one. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I have to say also, Kendall last night really took me out. Kendall always takes me out. Like it's just unbelievable that someone can actually look like that. But wait, we didn't even talk about Chris's birthday. Oh my God, please. Can we talk about this for the next hour and a half and never stop? I know you guys have seen this, but it was Chris's 67th birthday. They had a dinner party at her house where everyone came dressed as a different Chris. So Kim was the Chris from the music video slash the You Got Chris video. North was Everyday Chris in all black, a black blazer, black Hermes. Courtney was the Thank You Next Chris in the Juicy tracksuit. It was just that, you know, I always say, how are they going to one-up themselves? Because at a certain point, you can't like over-extravagance the extravagance. And then you realize the way to kind of supplement the extravagance is with the sentimental value. And so no, this is not the sentimental value it was when Kim had those invitations made, copied from the same wallpaper as they had in their childhood home in Beverly Hills. But this was like an adorable, humorous display of honoring Chris in a way that I think she probably found was so fun. This was one of my favorite things that they have ever done. I I can't even explain it. You're right. It's the leveling up every year and the thinking of new things. This was my Halloween. Like, I don't understand why people are dressing up as anything other than Chris. We should only be dressing up as Chris for Halloween, Purim, frat parties. Like every time you go to put on a costume, it should be a short black wig. Kylie Jenner took me out. I just said Kylie Jenner because like I wanted to say the Jenner. I wanted to really enhance her connection to Chris. I think that's why that just happened. Her in that black, I don't know, her in that black dress. God, that was something. I'm sorry. We have to give we have to give our credit where credit is due. North is every day, Chris. That was that was it. North is just killing it at the moment. Like she really is giving us the content, and she's so committed to it. Which is, I think, one of the aspects of Kim's personality that is going to be passed down the most to North. Because I know we see so much, or in what we've seen of North, we see so much of Kanye and. Kim has repeatedly said there's so much of Kanye North. I think one of the aspects of Kim, which you could also actually uh, attribute to Kanye, that North will really possess is like the commitment to the bit. You know, like no matter what, Kim is going to go the extra mile to commit, whether it's to the full look or to the full bit or just to whatever it is. And I think that even at this young age, we're seeing that North has that. Uh, like a million percent, definitely. I, I can't get enough. I really can't. I mean, also it's... So, so crazy to watch a celebrity child that you've seen since the day that they were born and watch them grow up, develop their own unique personality and life and friend group and see them regardless of anything. I know we've had the conversation before about what does it look like for celebrity kids in a couple of years? What does it look like specifically for the Kardashian kids in a couple of years in terms of continuing the empire? That aside for a second, it's almost equally as crazy to me just to watch them become their own people. I know. And I mean, I think that that's just such an experience if you're somebody that has a little cousin or a little sibling who's a lot of years younger than you. It's like, as they start to get older, you realize that they're really developing their own personality. And it's so fun to watch. Like I I get what my uncles and aunts and my older cousins used to mean when they would see me at family gatherings when I was younger. It's like, holy shit, you're becoming a real person. And it's it's so fun to to watch that and to see how the different aspects of their personality are coming through. And yeah, I love watching North grow up. I know I don't know her personally, but I just, I feel like I do. I know. And there's a lot of celebrity kids I feel that way with. Like watching Luna grow up has been crazy. Like they all become their own little people. And I don't know, it's just fucking wild because I feel like you're right. Like when it's your family, when it's your cousins, like, yeah, you obviously feel that way, but there's such a deep connection to them as is. These are just kids that you're watching grow up that you realize you know better than you probably should. But oh my God, it is just so much fun. You know, the other thing we didn't mention is 
Rob being in the selfie that I think Kim posted, which I always knew Rob would be there for Chris's birthday dinner, and I never questioned that. But to have the concrete proof, it is very calming. <laughs> I know, and I love seeing him. Like I just love, <laughs> I love getting a pulse check on Rob. Like to know that he was comfortable enough to allow Kim to post that photo is is enough for me to know about Rob at the moment. You know what I mean? I don't need any more information than he's willing to give me than that. I know. And then as a result of that, you can say it's probably also the greatest gift to Chris. Like nothing makes her happier than that. I am so curious about hearing Rob's perspective, not on his journey, but just on the family, because, you know, the last time Rob was really present, as crazy as it is to say, like the Kardashians still weren't what they are today. Like the fame that has skyrocketed since Rob kind of fell out of the public eye has really been immense, especially for Chloe and for Courtney, who have really come into their own. And so I'm so curious just from his perspective alone on the family, what he thinks of watching it, because it's been years since we've got his perspective on any event. And he always had like such a hilarious take on things, especially in his relationship with Scott. And so in terms of their fame, their relationships, what has become of all of them? Like, I would be so curious just to hear a little bit of Rob commentary on those things. Imagine like a Rob Kardashian podcast where you just present him with a scenario and he says what it's like from his POV because, I mean, he's the definition of having a front row seat, but then being a little bit removed. It's it's almost, it's a strange thing to say because he himself is also very famous, but it's almost as if he operates as one of their fame adjacent friends while still being a very famous family member. Like he's somehow carved out this spot for himself where he can experience it all and he can still kind of be considered in it all. But at the same time, you, I mean, I consider him almost like a spectator, which is I think exactly how he wants it. So yeah, hearing his perspective would be fascinating. Yeah, almost like an Allison Satter in a way. Yeah, exactly. Is there anything else that you want to mention? I think that's it. I'm so excited for this week's episode. Oh my God. Oh my God, I cannot wait. I know, we're getting the Ripley's fitting, you guys. Oh, okay. Well, we will see you on Thursday for Kardashians. Isabel and I will see you on Friday for Bravo. And then we'll be back next week. We love you guys. Thank you for listening and for letting us do this. 